the following podcast has been paid for by Perched on the Top Rope. Welcome, everyone, to Perched on the Top Rope. It is me, the adorable one, Alex Todd, joined by the Encyclopedia of Wrestling Knowledge, Justin Largito. Justin, how are you, my friend? I'm good, man. Uh, here, here to talk about wrestling like usual. Uh, just finished up a nap a little while ago, so <laughs> I'm well rested. <laughs> well, if that wasn't the promo of the year. Well, if that wasn't, though... I'll tell you what was. It was that MJF promo last night on AEW Dynamite, but we are going to talk about that in a little while. First, this weekend, we have WWE Hell in a Cell, and we are going to give our Hell in a Cell predictions. I know you guys all got our predictions last week about uh, Double or Nothing, but mm, sorry, it's very uh, busy with pay-per-views in the past couple weeks, so you're going to get another prediction night. But we're going to jump right into it. I am going to start with a singles match for the WWE United States Championship, we have Theory, who apparently has lost his first name, has no idea where it is, taking on Mustafa Ali, who found his first name because he was going by Ali for a while. So it kind of seems just like a, a battle for the rights to your own name match. At least that's what it is in my book. Sorry, Alex, I didn't catch any of that. I was just very caught off guard, the fact that you said there was a United States Championship match on, on this pay-per-view. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I think the, I think I read somewhere the last time the United States Championship was actually defended on pay-per-view was like sometime last year. I know it's not as uh, bad as the Intercontinental title, but it's pretty bad. Didn't you say it was Extreme Rules of last year? Yeah, I think I think I brought it up like recently, actually. It was yeah. Extreme Rules last year. Yeah, it might have been last week's show or the week before that you brought it up. But yeah, it's it's been a while. We But we have a United States Championship match. No Intercontinental Championship match, though. We're still on that run. Still hasn't been defended since WrestleMania 37. But I guess that's not a big deal. Uh, we've got Theory versus Mustafa Ali. Justin, who do you got? So, uh, you know, watching the product every week, watching Raw, you notice Mustafa Ali kind of gets his ass kicked every week. Not kind of, he, he does. Yeah. Uh, whether it's by Miz, whether it's by Champo, whether it's by Fury, whether, whether it's by the greatest of all time, Veer Mahan, he gets his ass kicked every week. Uh, that would dictate, I would think by WWE logic, Mustafa Ali wins here, but then... I'm going to throw some a little bit of Steiner math. Not too heavy, but I'm going to throw it at you quick. Because Samoa Joe knows he can't beat me. <laughs> I'm going to throw Twinkies at his fat ass. Uh, I love Scott Steiner so much. <laughs> um, you, you throw in the fact that uh, this pay-per-view is in Chicago, Illinois, which is also the hometown of Mustafa Ali. Oof. And... Just because of that, his chances drastically go down. Is it by 33 and a third percent chance? It is definitely by way more than 33 and a third percent chance. Damn sad. Yeah, I know. WWE likes to hit us with the hometown heroes losing quite often. They've even done it to the likes of John Cena in the past. Um, it's it's just a fact of life. Vince, 
thinks that we don't catch on to it, and he thinks he's swerving us by having the hometown heroes lose, but we kind of come to expect it at this point. Well, you, you know the reason behind that, at least from what I've heard, is, uh, you know, hometown hero loses in their hometown, it draws more heat to the heel. Is the, the, the reasoning that I was told about it. But... Yeah, I feel like it's not heat that's directed at the heel, though. I feel like it's just heat in general, almost like eye rolling groaning go away type heat it's never it's never actually at least in modern times that logic used to work i will give vince that it worked in the attitude era and it worked at times during the ruthless aggression era but that's also because he didn't do it all the time he did it seldomly and he spread it out and so the times that he did do it it actually mattered we have seen far too often in today's modern era of wrestling. So it's probably, I'd say around like maybe like 2010 going forward. Um, so more so since WWE has turned into a PG product. Um, yeah. We've seen it happen regularly. There was a time where Sasha Banks was losing in her hometown almost every single time that Raw aired and that she was wrestling. We've seen Alexa Bliss lose in her hometown multiple times we've even seen the Miz lose in his hometown multiple times whether he's a heel face didn't matter so I feel like Vince goes to that too often now and it doesn't have that glamour that it used to because it's worn off and now it's gotten to a point where it makes the product too predictable so every time it happens people are just rolling their eyes and like can we just get this shit done with well, look, you got to promote your hometown heroes because you got to sell those event exclusive T-shirts. Yeah, so you'd think you'd want them winning in their hometowns because they'd probably sell more merchandise. No, 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 no. They, 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 they made their money. They're good. They don't, they don't have to win. I digress. Uh, <laughs> Who do you got winning? Uh, yeah, uh, definitely Fury winning this. Uh, you know, Fury, at least I think, in my opinion, and I think other people agree, is more than likely the future of this company. Uh, I could definitely see him main eventing a WrestleMania for the next five years or so, uh, possibly winning money in the bank. Uh, I'm not going to get into all that because he was he, actually, if a certain somebody didn't uh, appear earlier this year back in the company, I would say Fury would have been my pick to win money in the bank this year. But uh, that has changed since then. Looking at you, Cody Rhodes. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Austin Fury is uh, definitely walking out with the U.S. His name is not Austin Fury, sir. Oh, shit. I'm sorry. <laughs> his name is Fury. God damn it. You're oh, fired. Oh, oh, no. Is that the fiend in the front row? Oh, oh man. More yelling in my headset. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I still can't believe Pat McAfee said that on live television. Oh, man. That man's wild. Yeah, I've got to agree with you on this one. Um, I can't tell if they're actually doing a program with Mustafa Ali where like this is actually going to lead to a push or if they're just burying the ever-loving shit out of him for what he posted on social media about wanting his release over and over again. It could be a little bit of column A, could be a little bit of column B. But at least at this point in time... Um, it's not time for Theory to lose the United States Championship. He's currently the youngest United States champion in WWE history. 
they're going to want to hold on to that for a little while. And I feel like they're going to want to throw like another record with that too. So I feel like he's got much more to contribute to the United States championship and theory holding it right now actually makes the title almost feel like it means something a little more than it has in recent memory, because even when Damian priest was champion, even though I personally loved him as United States champion, they didn't have him on pay-per-views wrestling for the title almost ever. Yeah, Damian Priest, he, he was featured week to week. He just was never on any of these pay-per-views being showcased in any kind of big match. Nope. Same thing when Riddle held the United States Championship. Same thing when Bobby Lashley held the United States Championship. It just, it's become a thing. So the fact that Theory has enough relevance to where they decided that they were going to put a United States Championship match on a pay-per-view says something to his, I don't want to say drawing power, but his power as an entity that's actually entertaining enough to put the u.s championship on a pay-per-view but yeah that being said theory wins i don't think this is the end of the mustafa ali rivalry though but moving on we have kevin owens taking on elias's younger brother ezekiel liar what do you mean liar that's Elias. That is Ezekiel. Elias. No, 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 no. Common, common misunderstanding. That, that is Ezekiel, Elias's younger brother. Elias. <laughs> oh God. So we have Ezekiel versus Kevin Owens. I think this one could go either way. Um, Ezekiel is kind of on a winning streak though right now, which kind of makes me lean towards him, but. They can't really have Kevin Owens keep losing, can they? I mean, I guess they could because he's done it before. Kevin Owens, I feel like, can lose every single match and still be at the top of the card. Yeah. I feel uh, like he is slowly building himself into becoming... I don't know if I want to say... like top of the card or like living legend type superstar but like i feel with him he's almost at the same kind of level that like an aj styles is at yeah i kind of like right now kevin owens i kind of see him as that uh upper mid card guy where if there was a guy who happened to go down due to an injury kevin owens could be somebody who could slot into that mm-hmm. uh position just to take that place I mean, he did main event one of the nights of WrestleMania this year. Uh, yep. And uh, against Stone Cold Steve Austin, of all people. Ah, still one of my favorite moments of WrestleMania. <laughs> the fact that Stone Cold Steve Austin can work a better match than Jeff Hardy right now. Aww. <laughs> and, and, and Steve hasn't wrestled in 19 years. I love Jeff. He's one of my favorites, but that man is broken. No pun intended. <laughs> Look... The, di- the difference is Jeff will do anything you tell him. Yeah, you, true. You want, you, want, you want him to jump off the top of the cell and have Randy Orton twist a screwdriver in his ear? Give him $7 in a Mountain Dew. He'll do it no problem. <laughs> You're not wrong. You know, it's, yeah, Steve Steve retired because he didn't want to hurt himself, uh, you know, anymore. Jeff, in that amount of time, has jumped off of countless 20 to 30 foot ladders. He jumped uh, from the turnbuckle uh, onto steel steps on AEW recently, that man literally has no remorse for any of his actions and what he does to his body. But that being said, we're not talking about Jeff Hardy. We're talking about Kevin Owens. We're talking about Ezekiel. Justin, how do you think this match goes? 
Uh, yeah, so definitely could see it going either way. Uh, I'm going to say Ezekiel here. I think they're going to possibly keep this up a little bit, maybe have one more match to squeeze out of it. Uh, I don't know how much more they can do in this feud. What I'm hoping that they at least did, uh, before Elias shaved the beard and cut his hair, I hope they did some kind of pre-tapes that they could possibly air because I, I brought this up a few weeks ago. It's kind of weird that... Uh, uh, let, let me point out one segment on Raw they did. Like, uh, Wait a minute. Yeah. Wait a minute. I have a question. Okay. What do you mean Elias shaved his beard? Elias hasn't Elias hasn't been seen on television in over a year. That means he can't shave his beard? How, but how do you know he shaved his beard? We haven't seen him. Well, me and him have coffee every Thursday. Oh, that's cute, man. I'm Where happy. Think I was you. before that. I'm so happy for you. I just wanted to make sure you weren't mistaking Elias possibly shaving his face with a clean-shaven younger brother Ezekiel is all. Oh, well, well let, let's just say Kevin Owens' theory is right. And Ezekiel and Elias are the same person. No, they're not! Listen, I, I said let's pretend for a minute. Fine. <laughs> anyway, I would hope that they got some pre-tapes of Elias before he shaves the beard, before he cuts the hair. And, you know, at least have him on the screen. So there is some kind of argument to this, uh, you know, Ezekiel is Elias's younger brother uh, argument. And, you know, at least try and make a little bit of a fake out out of it. Because it's weird when uh, Ezekiel's in the ring uh, and he's like, you know what? My, Eli my brother Elias should come down here and teach you a lesson. And then Ezekiel just gets his ass kicked by Alpha Academy and Kevin Owens. <laughs> every, every week. Elias is nowhere to be found. It's because Elias is injured still. No, he's a shitty older brother. That's what Whoa! Whoa! What? If I'm watching my younger brother get his ass kicked, and I'm not, I don't even have any siblings. If I'm sitting there watching my younger brother get his ass kicked, I'm running out there. Right, but he's injured. He's at home still. How's he going to get there? Funny that Ross in a different drifter. city every week. He is a drifter. I miss, I miss Elias. So do I. But I, I'm hope, I hope that eventually maybe Kevin Owens takes out Ezekiel and, you know, Elias comes back to avenge his younger brother. So we'll have to wait another year for the payoff? I don't know why you're so down on Ezekiel, man. I'm, I'm not down on Ezekiel. Look... I loved the last ever ECW champion, Ezekiel Jackson, okay? I should, I, I should end this right now. <laughs> so anyways, you are going with Ezekiel? Yes, Ezekiel is my uh, pick to win. I assume by uh, some kind of roll-up or some kind of... Uh, so Ezekiel <laughs> and not Elias. Okay, cool. Yeah. So um, personally for me, I think Ezekiel... Uh, has a he's got a really good thing going right now the fans are on to him he's over um and you know i just i don't see this train ending yet so i've got to say that ezekiel wins as well uh and kevin owens is probably gonna jump him after a match this isn't gonna be over yet they're gonna drag this shit out until like SummerSlam. oh yeah um but with that being said the next match we have is 
Bobby Lashley versus Omos and MVP in a handicap match. So if we're going to go back and kind of recap this feud, uh, Bobby Lashley defeated Omos at WrestleMania 38. Um, on the following episode, MVP turned on Lashley, aligned with Omos, and then defeated Lashley at, uh, Omos defeated Lashley at WrestleMania Backlash with the help of MVP. So then Lashley defeated Omos in the steel cage match because Omos threw him at the side of the cell. He fell out and he used his brain to walk off the steel. And you know what the funny thing was is that commentary acted like that was like a never before thing. And like that was the smartest thing anybody's ever done. They're like, oh my God, the cell broke and he just got up and walked off because he knew he'd win. That is, that is genius. Well, listen, you know, the original plan they were going to do was they were going to have the ring collapse, right? Oh, in the steel cage match? Yeah, and they changed it earlier in the day. <laughs> oh, was it not going to be a steel cage match, or were they going to have it collapse inside the steel cage? I, I guess they were going to have some kind of way it would collapse with the steel cage. I have no idea, but they uh, just changed their mind on it because it was an overplayed spot, which it is. It's happened like four times now. Yeah, and it was overplayed the second time that it happened. Yeah. Honestly, in my opinion, I don't think they should have ever replayed that. The The spot with Brock and Big Show was too authentic. I, yeah, I should, absolutely. I could almost be okay with when they did it with Big Show and Mark Henry. But then when it happened with Show and Strowman, it was too much for me. Especially at that point, it was like, that was like 2016, 2017. We had just seen that spot like four or five years before that. Yeah. So, no. And- don't forget, they did it with uh, The Fiend and Braun at Payback a few years ago. Oh, yeah, I forgot about the title. that. <laughs> yeah, I forgot that, too. So, yeah, it's definitely overplayed. But after the Steel Cage match, uh, the following week, week Lashley uh, challenged MVP to a match where the winner would choose the stipulation of the match with Omos at Hell in a Cell. And with the help of Omos, MVP actually defeated Bobby Lashley via countout. So now they have decided that it's going to be a two-on-one handicap match between Lashley and the team of Omos and MVP. You think the numbers get the best of Lashley? No, I think uh, I think there was a reason this handicap match was made. Uh, honestly, to make a long story short, I see Lashley winning uh, by pinning MVP or by submitting MVP to the Hurt Lock just as a way to protect Omos. Uh, but yeah, that... This feud, honestly, to me, has been better than I expected. Mm-hmm. I'm not a huge Omos fan by any means. Uh, you know, their WrestleMania match I didn't think was all that bad. Uh, and their WrestleMania backlash match I was kind of indifferent about. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we'll see how this one goes. Maybe it'll be MVP in there doing most of the uh, most of the work, depending on how his knee has healed up since his last surgery his knee's been injured for like two years okay tegan knox's knee has been injured for like her whole life so that's fair that's fair can't argue that (laughs) i was gonna say i feel like stone cold i'm not wow stone cold we're over here we're over here talking about knee injuries and it just automatically went to my brain no i feel like mvp like first sustained that injury when raw was being held in the performance center yeah uh no uh thunderdome <laughs> oh was it thunderdome yeah it was like a six-man tag where it happened so i, I mean still it's, it's been at least a year if not over um but 
I'm a little upset with the fact that we've got MVP and matches with Bobby Lashley already, because honestly, the money feud with Bobby Lashley was never with Omos. It was with MVP. I think if Lashley is actually hurt, like he said to be, which who knows if he is anymore, because he hasn't left yet to go get any sort of surgery. But yeah. if he is still hurt and they are still planning on having him take some time off, I feel like MVP would have been the feud that he should have came back for. They could have built that to a WrestleMania match. Yeah. And with the Lashley and, and the shoulder injury, I'm starting to think uh, they thought it was a little worse than what they imagined. Right. Uh, or it was, it wasn't as bad as they thought I should say. Uh, very similar to the Mr. Kennedy where uh, he had an injury and they took the money in the bank briefcase off. And then right after Edge cashed in on Undertaker, Kennedy found yeah. out that he was actually fine and was only going to be out for a couple weeks. Yeah. So. Which is so sad because he was the one that was going to cash in on Undertaker that night. Yep. Oh, man. Unfortunately, how things happen. But. Yeah. But I feel like if he is to take time off, they could still work that in with this match where they do like Lashley wins and then they do a beat down and then he takes some time off. Um, I think Lashley wins. I don't think Lashley makes it out of the arena on his own two feet. Really? I think he gets jumped in some sort of fashion, uh, whether that be Cedric Alexander showing up, distracting him long enough for Omos or MVP to get back on their feet. I don't think this feud is over yet either i think we have one more match possibly to get out of it but i could be wrong this could be the end of it bobby lashley could be going on the money in the bank for all we know so i'm also going to go with lashley either way because omas is nobody to me <laughs> i don't think he needs the win you know how i feel about him it's it's he just doesn't do anything for me I agree with you. The great Kali did more for me as a heel champion than Omos does for me as a heel anything. Well, well, since we brought up the great Kali, are you glad he's back? What? You didn't see Shanky on SmackDown doing those? Uh, those I moves? hate you. The great Kali moves. Dude, he was straight up break dancing though. <laughs> Let's not forget his rhymes were so fire. Hit Row never showed their faces on TV again. That's true. It definitely isn't because they were all released. They they couldn't show their faces again. They nope. were ashamed. They're like, we need you to fire us. We don't. We can't like make it look like we quit because we are ashamed. You have to fire us. Exactly. <laughs> oh God. So the next match we have is the Raw Women's Championship Triple Threat match between Bianca Belair, Asuka, and Becky Lynch. I am tired of seeing most of these women wrestle each other. If we're being honest. It's all they have. <laughs> you know, we've seen Becky available at, at the moment. Oh, you're not kidding, brother. Yeah, we've we've seen Becky versus Asuka a million times at this point, and they try and make it like it's this big authentic thing every time, even though they do it like once or twice a year anyway. We've seen Becky take on Bianca multiple times. The only part of this match that actually interests me is whatever sort of um, interactions Bianca Belair and Asuka might have in the ring because we haven't seen them get into it too much. So if anything, I'm looking for more action between Bianca and Asuka in this match. Yeah, uh, I think that obviously uh, this match wasn't supposed to be the way that it is. Uh, we've already talked about that. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, Sasha, Naomi. Feel the glow. Um, Boss time. 
but yeah, I think we're going to get more interaction between Becky and Asuka, if anything. That that probably was a scheduled match up until everything kind of just changed. You uh, know, and Sasha and Bianca let us down. Uh, so yeah, Sasha and Naomi let us down. Fuck. Bianca could never let any of us down. Fuck! Record that, Matthew. Botchamania. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I think Becky and Asuka uh, are probably going to just cancel each other out in this match. Uh, I don't see them ending Bianca's reign so soon, especially with how long they uh, built up to it. Becky doesn't need the title for a while. I mean, she doesn't really need it ever. No, she, she's she had her reign. It lasted an infinite <laughs> amount of days as as a member of the active roster. So, yeah, that yeah. run that run in and of itself before she left and then came back basically cemented her as a future Hall of Famer. Yeah, and even even Asuka, she had that year-long reign uh, that was just not even a year ago, it feels like. Well, that, and she also had her NXT champion uh, women's championship reign, too. Yeah. So, so we'll, let, we'll have Bianca hold the title for a bit. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, Summer, SummerSlam's in Nashville, Tennessee, so we'll probably want the title on Bianca. For oh, yeah, exactly. yeah definitely. Lose. She's yeah. going to be in her home state, so they're 100% going to want the title on her. Uh, I I think they should bring in a legend and have someone like a Trish Stratus face Bianca Belair at SummerSlam. Because, you know, Trish never actually really retires. She says she's retiring and then comes back. Well, you know, Ric Flair retired and he's not coming back. Oh, no, not coming back to wrestle at all. Shame on you. Wrestling retirements means something, damn it. Yeah, Shawn Michaels once told us that. I, I I don't I don't I don't count that. That, that never that's happened. That's Shawn Michaels. That's an altered altered dimension. That's <laughs> had, upside down. Sean Sean had dementia after at that point, and uh, his lazy eye was kind of taking over. Yeah, but uh, I'm, I'm saying Bianca wins this, and uh, she continues her Raw Women's Championship reign. Who she goes after next, or who goes after her next? I should say, uh, maybe Rhea Ripley. Rhea Ripley could be a good program to lead up to SummerSlam, though. I yeah. personally would also like to see Alexa Bliss re-enter the uh, Women's Championship picture. Now that she's kind of slowly going somewhat back to her old self, the, the Fiend knockoff character never did anything for me, which sucks because all of us were wanting that for years, and they absolutely butchered it. Yeah, uh, to talk about that for a minute, I wasn't too thrilled on that uh, Alexa Alexa Bliss uh, Funhouse character either. It took me a while, but eventually I did get into it a little bit. Uh, it, it was kind of weird because you know it's Alexa Bliss and she uh, she's dressing like a twelve year old girl, maybe even uh, younger than that. And I right, and I've I've called this woman hot multiple times. Yeah, I feel weird. I feel dirty about that. But like, thank God she's not doing that anymore. <laughs> yeah. She needs to change what she's doing because of how I feel. Because I'm a man, damn it! Yeah, and if she doesn't change it, then I'm going to set my title on your desk and I'm going to walk out. And I'm going to let everybody down. I'm going to tweet my displeasure. Yeah, no, Bianca has definitely have, she has to have some big match leading up to SummerSlam because I think they're also going to, they're going to run some promo around SummerSlam that this is basically, this moment is her redemption after what happened last year. 
I hope that Rhea Ripley faces her and then also pins her in like five seconds because then we'll get even more of a storyline behind that. And we'll just find out that um, Bianca can never win at SummerSlam. Yeah. Uh, but moving on, we have two of the more exciting matches coming up. Not to say that the other ones aren't, but these are some barn burners. We have a six-person mixed tag team match. We have Finn Balor, AJ Styles, and Liv Morgan, who might be the new club, facing the Judgment Day, the combination of Edge, Damian Priest, and Rhea Ripley. This, I have a feeling, is going to be a little wild. Yeah, this definitely is potentially pretty good. I was surprised that they even announced this on Monday. Yeah, I didn't think it was going to happen yet. I saw this happening maybe sometime around, like, SummerSlam. Yeah. But who do you think wins this match? Uh, I'm going to have to say the Judgment Day, especially if uh, what we were just talking about and Rhea Ripley does end up being the next challenger for the uh, Raw Women's title. I don't know if they want to go in a direction where, uh, well, maybe not now because the Usos have the titles. I was going to say maybe a direction where uh, Damian Priest and Edge challenge for the tag titles, uh, which is possible, but uh, I don't know. Maybe not. Uh, Do you think we see a new member of the Judgment Day here? See, that's what I was thinking is this could be the perfect time to unveil the new member of the Judgment Day because clearly Edge has been alluding to the fact that there's going to be another member and that he's not done yet. But I don't think it's going to be any of the people that he listed because I feel like that's too predictable at this point. And I don't think Edge plays that game. So I almost feel like it could end up being somebody else that we're not thinking about. I'm not sure who, but it could be interesting nonetheless. Um, I also would have to say that the Judgment Day wins here because that it, it, that accomplishes a lot of things. So basically, Finn Balor and AJ Styles and even Liv Morgan, based on their popularity, can be plugged in almost anywhere. I think a victory for the Judgment Day here pushes Edge into a huge mainstream match at SummerSlam. Some people are arguing that I've seen online lately that we should get maybe Edge versus John Cena one more time, which I think would be perfect with Edge being a heel right now. Um, I wouldn't mind it. I've always loved every time that the two of them have faced each other. And you could also use that win to propel Damian Priest's momentum into, say, the Money in the Bank ladder match. Rhea Ripley could take that and go on, and she could challenge for the Raw Women's Championship. I feel like if the baby faces win, it's just the baby faces win and it's over. I feel like if the heels win in this match, it gives them more momentum to go and do what they have to do even further, which is clearly what this stable is planning on doing. So I'm going to say Edge, Damian Priest, and Rhea Ripley win this match. Yeah, and keep in mind, uh, WB Logic, uh, you know, Finn, AJ, and Liv have been getting their asses kicked by whoever on WB TV every week, which kind of makes you think they might win, but uh, I think they're going to keep the Judgment Day strong here. Um, Personally, what do you... I don't think we ever talked about this. What do you think about the Judgment Day faction uh, as a whole right now? I enjoy it. Yeah? I mean, I always personally think that everything that Edge touches turns to gold because I'm biased. But I enjoy 
that they're not just having Edge run on a nostalgia act because WWE's had a history in the past of when they bring back people that have been gone for a really t- long time and can be considered as legends, you know, like Kurt Angle, the Hardy Boys, etc. Um, they tend to go the nostalgia route until nobody cares about it anymore and then that person ends up leaving. They're giving Edge something fresh. They're allowing him to continue basically um adding to his career so i i enjoy it what are your thoughts on it so i like the idea of the group you have the veteran edge you have the two uh two young up-and-coming stars i mean damian priest isn't exactly young but i mean he's young for the main roster uh you know, the two young stars of Rhea Ripley and Damian Priest, you have the chance to elevate them from this group, learning from Edge. Uh, I think the one gripe I do have, I had two gripes, but uh, it looks like they kind of cooled down with it. Remember the one week on Raw was Damian Priest and AJ Styles and the match just ended because uh, <laughs> purple lights came on and Damian Priest's eyes were bugging out or something? Yeah, I don't know how I felt about that. Thank God they cut stuff like that out. They're not doing that. Well, I, do, um, I think they probably also saw, too, that some people kind of complained when they did that, and it wasn't really seen in a great light. Yeah, and I was very confused, because when they came back from commercial, I assumed the match was still going, and then it was just over. Right. <laughs> but uh, the other issue I kind of have, I don't know if it's Edge coming up with the stuff for his promos, or if it's WB putting a script in front of his face and their terrible dialogue. But it's not that great. And I know Edge can do better, and it, it, it bugs me. <laughs> um, he can kind of tell that he's taking what they're saying, though, and he's trying to run with it as much as he can. Yeah, I can only hear so much about the mountain of omnipotence so many times before it becomes a little overplayed. Yeah, I feel like that's something Edge has always done as a heel, though, because even back to his days when he was in La Familia, he always talked about the family and always talked about Vicky over and over again. The love of my life, the love of my life, or, you know, he would talk about Lita's in his sex life. I feel like that's been something that's kind of something that Edge personally does because I think he knows it annoys the fans. So I don't know if that's necessarily a script issue or if Edge is doing it purposely to get heat. Well, I can tell you one script issue they had a few weeks ago when Damian Priest told the crowd, all rise, and then everyone stood up. And then, of course, because it's in the script, he has to go, I said all rise, even though they're already standing up. (laughs) Bro, that is, yes, I get it's in the script, but sometimes you got to stray away from the script. Like, even even the WWE officials know that. Like, sometimes if, if a crowd is reacting in a certain way, you, you got to change it up a little bit. Kevin Owens knows how to do it on a weekly basis. Yeah. You ever notice Kevin, Kevin Owens is probably the best wrestler playing off the crowd in that company. We do not deserve Kevin Owens. No. He is a treasure. No, we don't. He's a national treasure and should be protected as such. <laughs> but no. yeah, no, uh, Damien has to just kind of pay attention a little bit. And like, if they're already rise, shut up. He has to. That that's that's the dialogue that they give him. Yeah, I'd see. Sometimes you just gotta say screw the dialogue. And you know if you he, gotta... you you know if he didn't go the do the second time, I said all rise. Vince would be fucking human standing up in the back waiting for him to come back for the curtain. And he'd be like, "You're getting kicked out of the group, pal," because it's just a stupid thing that he need, he needs to have. 
I hate it. But uh, yeah, nonetheless, uh, Judgment Day picks up the victory here, and they go on to bigger and better things. I don't really think the team of AJ Finn and Liv Morgan loses much here, mainly because with Finn, there's not much more left to lose. With AJ, he's pretty much invincible to anything. That man is a walking, living legend. He's invincible. And Liv, I think with her, it's her popularity, because no matter what happens, she's still super over with the crowd just because basically they all think she's hot. But she is. She's improved in the ring, though, too. Uh, yeah, no, she has. I thoroughly enjoy watching her now. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm glad to see they capitalized off that uh, big main event win she had a few weeks ago by having her lose every single week since. Yeah. So Yeah, they really capitalized on that. So I see them going in the same direction here. We've reached what is most likely going to be our main event. The Hell in a Cell match. Cody Rhodes versus Seth Rollins. We got Rhodes Rollins three. Justin, are you excited? I am, man. Uh, and just to point out, because we are at the main event, uh, this is pretty much an all Raw show because there are no SmackDown represent representation on this show at all. Mm-hmm. Wow, so I just I just noticed that there is no there are no SmackDown matches unless something gets added on Friday. There's nothing. Maybe Ricochet and uh, Gunter will be added for the Intercontinental title, but seeing as it's the Intercontinental title, I'm not holding my breath on that. Well, if anyone cares, the Wikipedia page says it's a raw branded pay-per-view, but Wikipedia can be literally edited (laughs) by anybody. (laughs) That that makes it even better, actually. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we have to believe it. It's on Wikipedia. (laughs) Yeah, they also might add that uh, Matt Riddle and... Nakamura Usos match for the tag title since they did win on Monday. But as of right now, that hasn't been announced. So we're going off this. Yep. And as you said, I believe it was last week, Wikipedia is the same place that said that Kofi Kingston was dead. Yes, 2015, July uh, July 4th. July 4th, 2015, Kofi Kingston, dead. When he faced Brock Lesnar the first time, <laughs> not the second time. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, yeah, no, Rollins Rhodes is literally consistently giving me modern day Flair Steamboat vibes. I think this is the best rivalry in WWE that we have had in years. Probably since the Charlotte Becky initial rivalry when Becky turned heel and became the man. And aside from that, I want to say this is one of the biggest rivalries that we've had quite possibly since like Daniel Bryan versus Randy Orton, or even going back further, Randy Orton, John Cena. Like this is, this is already in only three matches become one of the modern days, best rivalries in sports entertainment. Yeah. I would say without NXT being involved. So so you're not counting like your Ciampa and Gargano's or your, uh, yeah. And Cole's and uh, Gargano's and, you know, feuds like that. Uh, I'd say this is definitely the best main roster feud in a long time. Uh, you know, they're definitely making it work. Uh, and, you know, they're, they're two just great wrestlers. Both of them are very good to great on the mic. And you saw that last Monday. Uh, yeah. Can we talk about, can we talk about the leaps and bounds that Seth Rollins has came through over the years? Because Seth's always been good in the ring, but where he had struggled earlier on in his career was his mic work uh, out of, all three members of the shield, I would arguably say at the beginning of the shields run, 
even though Roman barely spoke, I still think Seth Rollins was arguably the worst on the microphone out of the three of them at that time. He just, he never sounded confident in what he was saying and he was quiet. He wasn't loud. And he is one of the best in the entire business, sports entertainment and professional wrestling included only to be overshadowed. I think by Cody Rhodes and a gentleman that we will talk about later from another company. Yeah. Uh, you know what you said about the uh, Rollins being one of the weaker guys in the shield, at least Mike wise, I would say that's a fair argument. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Reigns, he really only had the one-liners, if you really think about those old Shield promos. And it worked for him. Yeah, it, it, he knew what worked best for him. He, he wasn't ready to cut a long promo. And it he wasn't ready. Promo. He wasn't ready to start talking about suffering Sakatash. Uh, yep, and Jack and the Beanstalk. None, none of that. None of that. <laughs> um, but yeah, Seth is, Seth is awesome. I, I love Seth. Face, heel. The guy just knocks it out of the park every time. You know he's doing good when Lee is slowly becoming a fan of Seth Rollins because if you oh, guys go back, if you guys go back and listen through these shows over the past couple of years, even now, Lee has never been able to stand Seth Rollins, mostly because he hates the sound of his voice. And I think one of his biggest issues too was that Seth Rollins was a Triple H protege, and Lee has always had like this vendetta against Triple H for the same reason. Couldn't stand his voice. And I like he would say that they were bad wrestlers. And I would try to argue with that with him all the time. And I was like, dude, I, I literally don't think you know what you're talking about. But Seth Rollins is on such a run right now that even Lee is becoming a Rollins fan. Yeah. Uh, I don't blame him for souring on Triple H. I mean, after the reign of terror from 2002 to 2005, I'd probably sour on the guy too. Don't care. Still <laughs> love him. Still love everything he's ever done. <laughs> but yeah, the, the, these guys, they, they work really well together. Uh, definitely a feud where it makes sense to have this as a hell in a cell match. Oh, for and sure. I'm glad, yeah. I'm glad they went with the one singular cell match this year instead of doing two or three on the same show. Last year, it got like really out of control because they did four in one weekend. <laughs> oh yeah, because they had uh, they had Reigns and Mysterio on SmackDown, and then they had Lashley and Xavier Woods on Raw, didn't they? Yep, because uh, Reigns was taking time off, couldn't do the pay per view, and then USA was like, "Well, why does Fox get the hell in a cell match? We want hell in a cell match." Yeah, so, that, that was literally supposed to be a regular match between Lashley and Xavier Woods at first, and then USA was like, "Meh." Why don't we get one? Ah, yeah. My feelings, they just, they hurt. Suck yeah. it up. Seriously. You literally, the USA Network literally got a live sex show on TV between Edge and Lita. They can get over, <laughs> they can get over themselves. For real, come on. But yeah, no, it's really refreshing to see only one Hell in a Cell match on the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view because it makes the match actually feel like it means something. Yeah. Like, I was definitely afraid when they said uh, Lashley or Omos would get to pick their stipulation. I'm like, oh, God, please don't put it in a cell. Please, no, please, no. Unless unless Omos is getting thrown off the cell into oblivion. But even then, I don't know if I want to see it. But yeah. this match, see, I feel like WWE wants everybody to predict it's Cody Rhodes so that they could have Seth Rollins win. But then I feel like WWE also would play the game that all of us are going to think that 
that they're going to think that Cody Rhodes is going to win. So Seth actually wins. And I think because of us thinking that, I think they're going to try and double swerve us. That was some Steiner math right there. Yeah, that, that was some real Steiner math. <laughs> WWE is going to want us to think that Cody Rhodes is going to win. So they could make us think that Seth Rollins is going to win. But in reality, Cody Rhodes is going to pick up 3-0 and versus Seth Rollins. I don't see any way that Cody Rhodes loses here. He is already probably the number two star in the company. Well, look, man, you, you gotta, you gotta think about this. Cody Rhodes leaving AEW. It's all a work. He, he's still in AEW. He's, he's going to go to WWE. He's going to take their title. He's going to go back to us in a garbage can. Or hear me out. What if, <laughs> what if he was still with AEW and he wins the money in the bank briefcase and then cashes it in on CM Punk. Yeah, it, it's all a work, man. They ain't fooling me. It's all a work. <laughs> it's all a work. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, this is going to be a great match. Great main event. Uh, I see, and I, you know, a lot of people have kind of pointed to it as well. I think this is a complete replication of when uh, Triple H put Batista over three straight times in 2005. Ironically, at WrestleMania, at Backlash, and then in a Hell in a Cell match, which is literally the same formula here. Uh, Correction, it was a three stages of Hell match. No. It still, okay. en- it still ended in a Hell in a Cell, though. Anyway. Um, also, don't give me that attitude. No. Okay, listen, I think uh, Elias and Ezekiel are two different people. They are. It's literally... I literally don't understand what your problem is. You're just as bad as Kevin Owens and Chad Gable. Yeah, Owens sucks. Anyway, uh, um, I see Cody going over here. I think they're going to keep him extra strong uh, going through the summer till the end of the year, whenever he decides to uh, go up against Roman Reigns for one or both of the debut or universal titles. So, Cody Rhodes all the way here. How dare think, you? How I dare you? Alex. How dare you say that Danhausen sucks? You know, you can make fun of me for being a Danhausen fan all you want and saying that Danhausen sucks, but you're the one that spent money on him. And that's yes, very shitty, very generic. Yes, <laughs> very evil, very nice. But uh, yeah, no, you're the one that spent money on him. So in the Charity. end, I. And no, because you were smiling in that video. I've seen it. I'll post it on the page for everyone to see, brother. I was scowling in that video. <laughs> More like you were scouting. You were scouting for talent. Yeah. And, and you found Rhodes? it. That's why you, you gave me your Rhodes money. <laughs> nope. Listen, I'll always have it over you that you spent money on him. But that concludes our predictions of the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. Let's talk about what everybody else wants to talk about. We are going to switch gears to All Elite Wrestling. And if you watched AEW Dynamite last night, you saw that fire promo that MJF cut last night. Justin, (laughs) you and I were talking about this. What was going through your mind? Uh, Yeah, so... I was actually on the phone with somebody while I was watching Dynamite and this segment popped up and like two minutes in, I'm like, I'm going to have to call you back because I just realized like shit's popping off right now. And, um, you know, everyone heard the rumors. We don't know if it was a work. We don't know if it wasn't. 
of MJF, not, no showing FanFest. Oh, like, he definitely no showed FanFest. Yeah, that, that, that sounds very accurate. Uh, he was seen playing slots, so, you know, make your interpretation of uh, how that is. But uh, the plane being booked out of Las Vegas, him not getting on the plane, was a big story Saturday and a Sunday. Basically um, ruined Sean Ross Sapp's whole weekend. Yeah, because that, that guy was just all, all over Twitter that night. <laughs> um, Fucking you know, thankfully, thankfully, MJF, even if this was all 100% real and MJF was really going to leave Vegas and leave them high and dry, I'm glad he showed up at the pay-per-view and, you know, did the match with Wardlow because I would have felt really shitty for Wardlow in a situation like that. Especially if the other rumors were to believed and the backup for the match was Goldberg. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. That would have been awful. <laughs> Apparently, he's not under WWE contract anymore, so it was entirely possible. It should stay that way, too. <laughs> Oldberg. Oldberg. Yeah, fuck Oldberg. <laughs> yeah, I know. He took Bret Hart from us. Yep. Piece of shit. Piece of shit. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, this, uh, and I said it in the chat last night, this is the closest thing I think we've gotten to the CM Punk pipe bomb promo of 2011. And, you know, I feel like that term has been thrown out a lot and just thrown around to the point where it doesn't really mean anything anymore over the last decade or so. But they've anything close to it, it, it was right here. <laughs> Yeah, I personally think that MJF's promo actually may have surpassed CM Punk's 2011 pipe bomb because everybody with Punk in 2011, they knew the whole situation was a work. Nobody believed that Punk was actually leaving WWE. As soon as he won the WWE title, everybody knew. Uh, I I never at one point believed that he was leaving because I, if I remember correctly, before that pay-per-view, there was actually word that had gotten out that Punk had already agreed to sign a new contract. So it kind of got ruined. Well, you know what ruined the whole pipe bomb promo? Because, listen, that night where CM Punk did that promo in Las Vegas, the same night as Raw Roulette, it was a double taping. So they taped Raw for the following week because it was 4th of July. Mm-hmm. And literally, they reinstated Punk that same night on that second taping. Yep. And yeah, because wasn't the the second taping was when they did the WWE Championship tournament, wasn't it? No. So uh, I for, I forgot Vince. I think it was Vince addressing the the pipe bomb promo and the situation. Oh, the pipe bomb promo, not not Punk winning the title. No, leaving. my no. bad. Um, my bad. Yeah. So yeah, and then Cena came out, and I. I like I said, I haven't watched this segment in 10 years. So Right, yeah, and he reinstated him. Yeah. But, and you know, with the internet the way it is now, and especially in 2011, that got out within minutes. So. Right. So, yeah, I'm honestly shocked that, like, some of the internet still doesn't know what's going on with the MJF thing. Um, obviously, they're working this into something. I think it was a worked shoot. I think the beginning of all of this was entirely true because if you remember correctly uh mjf went on it was uh what's his name the guy the guy that does the mma interviews too uh, ariel hawani yep he went on his show and talked about how he was not signing a new contract until his contract was up and he got feelers from both companies and there was it got out rather quickly that 
Tony Khan was actually mad at him when that happened. So they definitely took what was a real situation and said, hey, everybody knows about this. Let's add fuel to the fire. Let's make this as real as we possibly can so we can get something out of this. And they've done that. They they made it look like MJA, um, MJF got squashed at Double or Nothing, which obviously he did, but like they made it look like something WWE would have done. Like, you got mad, so we utterly destroyed you. They did that on purpose. They've taken his name off the roster page online. They have taken all of the merchandise, as you said to me earlier, off of Shop AEW. They have gone out of their way to do every little small thing while not doing too much or even mentioning it to make this feel like it is absolutely real, even down to the commentators not even mentioning what happened when we came back from break. He... Tony Khan, as much shit as people give him, he's taking right now what WWE actually does in real life when Vince gets petty, and he's morphing it and using it to his advantage because he knows that wrestling fans have had to see this in the past. So if he does this, it kind of makes it look a little more real. Yeah. um, And I know you were saying last night, you were kind of confused why there was no follow-up when we came back from the break after the big MJF promo. And I said, like, your boss wouldn't want to acknowledge you after that. They wouldn't want to give you any kind of TV time. And Well, also after seeing the, the, uh, his name was taken down from the roster page and the stuff of the shop, AEW.com, it makes sense now because they're basically pulling what WWE has actually done in the past and they're erasing MJF from history. He let us down. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's probably next. Yep. He let us all down. Can we talk about what happened after the promo that has made it online uh, during the commercial break? CM Punk came out with one boot on to try and chase yeah, him. I don't know why that didn't air on TV, to be honest with you. He came out with one boot on to try and chase MJF out of the arena, and then that was never mentioned again either. Yeah, it's like Punk was just changing out of his gear and Tony Khan said, go out there. <laughs> right. But I told you this last week when we were going over our double or nothing stipulations and predictions that the Wardlow MJF match was going to make both of them stars. I told you they were both going to come out on the right end of this, and they had. Uh, Wardlow is officially on track to become the hottest baby face in the company, and MJF is on track to become the biggest heel of the company. Those two are going to tie up in the ring again. And it's probably going to be for the AEW World Championship down the line. Yeah, and like I said, as long as they didn't turn MJF uh, accidentally face with uh, everything that was said last night. Well, the thing is, though, is even if they did, MJF's the one person that can get the crowd booing him like that easily. He's one of the few heels in this business, with the exception of maybe The Miz, Edge, AJ Styles, there are a couple of them that can do it. That even if people think that they're the cool heel and they're cheering for him, those guys know how to turn the crowd and get them to boo them. So I, I can. We've even seen Punk be able to do it at times, and he's the one person everybody's been begging for to come back to wrestling for ten years. So they're either going to turn MJF into a babyface and turn Punk heel down the road, in my opinion, or MJF is going to keep his heat. I say then he defeats Punk either way for the title down the road, and then we have an MJF Wardlow thing that we can go back to. Yeah, that's very possible. I definitely see MJF as the next world champion, though. 
Um, For sure. I feel like his storyline with CM Punk isn't completely wrapped up yet. Oh, no. MJF even said on TV the week after, or a few weeks later, uh, you know, this ain't done with Punk till we're in the grave. <laughs> no. And the so. fact that the night after, uh, well, the, the AEW Dynamite after Punk wins the title, you mentioned this earlier, Punk wins the title days later on Dynamite, MJF comes, uh, cuts a CM Punk-like promo. Yeah. And another thing, and I had this thought a little earlier today, and I, I don't know if anyone's brought it up. I hope not, because no way it would happen. The thought of MJF going to ROH temporarily when they come back up and do a reboot, I, I just don't think that would make any sense. MJF has made it clear, like, it's either AEW or WB. MJF ain't ever going to Impact. He ain't going to any rinky-dink uh, indie company in your hometown. <laughs> he, he He's not doing any of that. He's not doing Revival. He's not doing PWG. He's not doing any of it. Uh, but, like I said, that, that something like that wouldn't make too much sense because it's Tony Khan running that, too. Why would Tony Khan want MJF there? Unless MJF made, like, one appearance where he's, quote-unquote, invading the show or taking over the show. Right. I could see something like that happening. But, uh, yeah, the, yeah. The, this was awesome last night. It was awesome. This is about to be the summer of MJF, guaranteed. Even though it's also going to be the summer of Punk again because somehow... Every time Punk enters a company, he wins the title during the summer. Yeah, and uh, I'm very curious to see what the end goal is with okay. everything here. Uh, I, lo- I love with MJF, like, you can never really tell with him. No. Like, his on-screen character is always the same as he is when he's out with fans or anything like that. He's always a dick. That, that, that's exactly. I love I can it. never... I can never balance reality and kayfabe with him. And I think that's great. That's great because you haven't seen stuff like that since the 90s or 80s. So if MJF goes and like talk, talk shit about something on an interview, I'm like, okay, well, that's, that's MJF. It's not... Right. And the, the question is, is he being his character in real life? Or yeah. when he's on television, is his character who he is in real life? So you never know really what his opinions are because you never know if he's just keeping kayfabe and sticking to his character or if his character is who he is. Yeah. Something you don't see every day. I'm glad he he keeps that up because... Yeah, Yeah, me too. The only other person in recent memory that's done that is The Undertaker. Yeah, now Undertaker has a Twitter and an Instagram. Doesn't he have a podcast or isn't he about to have a podcast? Uh, he's he's gonna have one, and it better be called Dead Man Talking. Or what, what's oh, it has to be. <laughs> but two more things regarding AEW that I would like to get your thoughts on quick. We have one so far confirmed match for the AEW New Japan Pro Wrestling Forbidden Door pay per view. We saw Hiroshi Tanahashi accept CM Punk's challenge for the AEW World Championship last night. How awesome was it seeing Tanahashi on AEW? Oh, I definitely pops. Oh my god, I popped so hard. <laughs> I, unfortunately, it wasn't it wasn't Okada like I was hoping, but it was still great nonetheless because Tanahashi is, in my opinion, the greatest pro wrestler to ever go through New Japan. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, with this Forbidden Door pay per view, it looks like they're definitely going to go down the uh, every match is kind of New Japan versus AEW route. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and I wasn't sure how they were going to do that at first. It was going to be AEW versus AEW matches sprinkled in here and there, or New Japan, New Japan matches sprinkled in. Could still be like that, but uh, just judging by, which I assume this is going to be the main event. I don't know what would go over this. Uh, it's probably going to be more of a New Japan versus AEW type show. Right, and it should be interesting too because I, if clearly titles are going to be online. Yeah. Are either company going to let somebody from the other company win the titles? I, I doubt it. I think they should. I think at least one match doesn't have to be a world yeah, title match. One. I think one match there should be something that happens because it's not like people in AEW haven't held the New Japan Pro Wrestling United States title before. Lance Archer yeah. and Dean. Uh, wow, I almost said Dean Ambrose. Lance Archer and John Moxley have both held that title since being in the company. Kenta worked a couple AEW shows as U.S. champion. Yeah, and like, uh, what was it? They teased the uh, Empire versus FTR for that Forbidden Door show. Dude. I know the Empire doesn't have the New Japan tag titles right now, but you know, there's time. You could throw them on them quick. Well, I mean, they could easily make that match for the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championships as well. Well, Ring of Honor doesn't count in this situation, Alex. Yeah, but you know AEW is probably going to use those This titles. is New Japan and AEW. What's Ring of Honor? You just mark my word. Just watch. But, yeah, I'm, I'm so damn excited for that match. But the other thing I wanted to bring up was the match that has been heavily rumored to happen, and that is supposedly that Kazuchika Okada is going to be defending the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship against the man who just lost the AEW World Championship, Hangman Adam Page. That match I'm excited for. That could be very interesting. That could end up being easily match of the night. No offense to Punk and Tanahashi, but they're both up there a little bit, a little bit in age. Okada and Hangman are both still young enough to go at full speed. Yeah, uh, I actually haven't even heard of the thought of that match up until you mentioned it. So I'm like, oh yeah, it's been all over. Now, Twitter. now, I'm, now I'm just thinking about it. It's like rolling through my mm-hmm. head as we talk about it. It's been all over Twitter, so it'll be interesting to see if they actually go with that. If so, I think it's good because it also helps Hangman Adam Page not lose anything after just um, losing the AEW World Championship. And also, if they really want to shock everybody, you could have Hangman turn heel in the match, do like a low blow to Okada, win the IWGP World Championship, and you could make that another summer program where you know Adam Page is basically having an all-out war against New Japan Pro Wrestling. And you could easily, by the end of the summer, have Okada win the title back or somebody else. So I think I think that match, if that does happen, has a ton of potential of being able to entertain people not only for that night, but probably through most of the summer. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know about you. Uh, I, I'm just not into Okada like that anymore. Like, I'm not, I'm not saying he's a terrible or poor wrestler or anything I, I enjoy his matches but i feel like okada's just been on top way too long in new japan like every time he wins the world title now i'm just kind of well, the problem is too is so many people have left new japan for wwe throughout the years like at, you could tell at one point that i mean granted he has held the iwgp world championship before but Shinsuke Nakamura never really got to be on top, on top in New Japan. Yeah. Which always 
confuses me because he's arguably one of the biggest stars to ever come out of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Even with his lackluster booking in WWE, he feels more like an icon because he had that time in New Japan Pro Wrestling. So I just feel like a lot of people leaving AJ Styles ended up leaving for WWE. Prince Devitt ended up leaving for WWE. With the Bullet Club being as big as they were, Devitt would have 100% been IWGP World Heavyweight Champion at one point. Um, yeah. So I think they all they suffered for a short, for a good four to five years. There was a time frame where they suffered where they didn't have a whole lot of top talent that could have gone and held the title. That's why we saw a lot of the time it was going back and forth between Tanahashi and Okada and occasionally Kenny Omega. Yeah, and uh, I think Omega only held the title once too, which is yeah. it was only like six months because then he went straight to AEW. Yep. So it's I think that's part of what the issue is. But like you've got Will Ospreay now. You've got other people that you can plug into that spot. I do think I think Okada for his sake, I I feel like and this is a good thing. Okada's done everything that he can do in New Japan Pro Wrestling, in my opinion. Yeah. I think if he is dead set on expanding his career, and I don't know if this is a possibility of because of his family or whatnot. But I would almost say try and venture over to the States and try and make a run in AEW. Hell, I mean, it might not always be my favorite company, but try to make a run in WWE if you can. Like, try try out different things to where you could possibly grow your star power even more. Yeah, especially when you see uh, more and more New Japan guys kind of uh, migrating on Impact and AEW TV from week to week. Right. Well, there's definitely no shortage on New Japan guys showing up in the United States here and there. Right, and if they could pair him up with AJ Styles in a match like pretty soon after arriving, Okada could even have a successful career in WWE. Yeah, but you so, know, I, I thought Nakamura was going to be the same way. Not to say that he hasn't had a successful career, but... Well, all, all it takes with Nakamura, too, is for some random uh, arena of fans to get under him and then everybody get behind him. It's not... The man's career isn't completely dead yet. So, I mean, I still hold out hope because we've seen Drew McIntyre come back and do the things that he's done. We saw Kofi Kingston after 10 years of not being allowed near the main event scene. We've seen him win. So I still hold out hope for Shinsuke Nakamura. Let me tell you something. Now, I was uh, back up against the wall in the nosebleeds at SummerSlam 2017 when he faced Jinder Mahal. And I remember I hated Jinder Mahal so much at that point. I literally filled my pockets with confetti for when Nakamura won. And then he didn't. And I just looked with my hands in my pockets. I look at the ring and I go, what? Oh, no. That's so sad. (laughs) Yeah, that should have been the first time he should have won. He should have won when he faced AJ Styles at WrestleMania 34. There's a couple different times that uh, Nakamura should have been WWE champion. Yeah. I don't. I just don't get why they never pulled the trigger. I guarantee it has something to do with the language barrier. That's not that hard, though. You put him with a manager. Yeah, not, remember they, they had Sami Zayn talking for. for yeah, for they literally could have had a baby face Sami Zayn talk for a baby face Shinsuke Nakamura. Christ, this company doesn't like managers. <laughs> but are there back to the forbidden door pay-per-view are there any other matches that might be on your mind for dream matches that you would like to see at that show i've been trying to put kind of a little wish list together Mm -hmm. uh you know kota abushi 
the status of him, who, who knows? I was going to say, who knows if he even works for New Japan anymore? Yeah, I would like to see Kenny Omega be ready in time for the show, but I don't think it's likely. Uh, you know, maybe they'll do Undisputed Elite versus... Can't be the Bullet Club because they're kind of aligned with them right now. Yeah. Uh, maybe Chaos? Ooh. That's, that could be possible. That could be possible. I mean, if Okada's going to be there, I don't see why the rest of Chaos can't come and travel with him. You could yeah. have the rest of the members of Chaos from New Japan come over and you could put them with Best Friends, Orange Cassidy, and whatnot. And that could actually work. I don't I don't hate that. Um, personally, for me, I... See, my my match is already ruined because... Oh, you know, I've got a good one. I've got a good one. And this, they're both heels, but this match, I think, could be a show stealer. Switchblade Jay White versus Malachi Black. That could, that could be uh, pretty good, actually. Yeah, that could, <laughs> I could see that being an instant classic. Yeah. But, but uh, there, there's so many possibilities looking at both rosters. So, yeah, it's going to be really fun to see how this show ends up filling out. But while that show continues to fill out, this one is going to close out. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to find us on social media, you can find us at Perched on the Top Rope on Facebook. You can find us at Perched Top Rope on our Twitter page. You can find us at Perched on the Top Rope Podcast on Instagram. You can find us at Perched on the Top Rope on Twitch. And because I forgot to say it last week, you can find us at Perched on the Top Rope on YouTube, one of our biggest social media platforms, and I messed it up. This is what happened when Lee takes some time off, and I have to do the social media plugging. It never ends well. Uh, did you happen to mention that we're on TikTok as well, with, where you can see the Taskmaster Kevin Sullivan getting humped by a dog? I hate you. <laughs> I hate you. Well, you said it, so I didn't have to. You walked so I could you watch so I could run. Uh, but you can also find all of our podcasts on any podcast streaming service, such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Audible, you name it, we got it. And also, while we're here, before we get off tonight, I am uh, just going to kind of let everybody know. Um, Lee is coming back next week. He's going to be back doing the shows as of next week. I will be taking some time off for a couple weeks. Just got a lot going on in life. Got to take care of a couple things. So I'm going to be taking off a couple weeks. Um, Justin, it's going to be in you and Lee for a little bit, but it's going to be all right because I'm still going to be in constant contact with everybody. And if you guys, if there's an emergency and you need me, I will be here. So I will see you guys in a couple weeks. Prepare for the Long Island Iced Lee to return next week. And remember, spoiler free is the way to be. Justin, we're out.